Church, say amen. amen. That's a little weak. Church, say amen. amen. All right. If you need a lesson, if you need a lesson, you forgot to grab a lesson, uh, hold your hand up real high and we'll make sure you get one. We're passing them out as we speak. Raise your hand real high if you need a lesson. Right there in the middle. Got several right there in the middle. Gentlemen, there we go. All right. Raise your hand real high. Raise your hand real high. Everybody else turn to First Peter First Peter chapter number three. Grab your Bibles. First Peter chapter number three. All the, all the way to my left, gentlemen. All the way to my left. Raise your hand again. Raise your hand again. All right, Jennifer. Now they done passed by here already. My goodness. Down here on the front. Down here on the front. All right. Right in the back. Buchanan, see that hand in the back? All right. All right. Uh, Buchanan, where are they normally sitting so that people know where to get them at? In the chair that they walk right past. Okay. <laughs> All right. At every, door, by the way. At every door. Okay. All right. Hey, whatever. It don't matter. We'll do it every time. If you need one, we'll get one. Amen. That's what it's all about. Church, say amen. amen. How about the, the temperature yesterday? Wasn't that glorious? Uh, uh, Mother Nature don't like us too well, does she? <laughs> My soul. Uh, I heard it's supposed to get like 20-something tonight. Is that true? Is there anything true to that? Aki Bob, what do you say? What, what do you think it's going to be? 28? You don't even know Jesus, man. You, they, there's no way. No way. All right. All right. Isn't it good to be saved? Amen. It, amen. We, we had the opportunity to meet with some contractors today. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's great. And, uh, and, and they are going to diligently uh, uh, sharpen their pencils. Say Amen. Uh, they're going to be working on some uh, some things that they can do to drastically bring that price down uh, for our building, which will help us get into it a lot faster. Uh, now, here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. We, if we're going to preach something, we need to live it. Amen? Amen. And we're going to practice it. And I believe in prayer. How about y'all? Uh, if we pray that God will give us a building, I think he will, don't you? And so, so here's what I want to do. I want to take a little bit of time on Wednesdays, and uh, uh, we will have a time at the end of the Bible study. I'm going to I'm gonna have to shave a little bit off the Bible study to do this, and that's going to be a miracle of the Lord. Uh, but we will. We will do this because we need a building, amen? And we're going to spend some time around the altar and bring our petition to God. Uh, if we do that, I believe God answers prayer. Amen? Amen. So, with that being said, you have a one-pager tonight. Amen. First Peter chapter 3 and verse number 8. Uh, and Dustin, help me, help me with the time too. Make sure I, 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 I don't know how you're going to do that, but I, I need to uh, stay with that because I really want to make that happen tonight, all right? First uh, Peter 3 verse number 8. Have you found your spot? Amen. Finally, finally, finally. Now, uh, he, he, we have this word finally here because in chapters 2, in the beginning of chapter 3, we've been discussing and talking about how we're supposed to treat each other. Uh, how a citizen is supposed to, the citizen's responsibility, a saint's responsibility, a Christian's responsibility, uh, spouse's responsibility to each other, employee's, employer responsibility, uh, how we are supposed to, to be and so forth and so on. So with all of these different people, with all of these different characters, he says, now finally, 
finally, with all of that said, with all of that done, to sum it all up, does that make sense? This word finally means to sum it all up. This is what I'm talking about. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Now, when it says be pitiful, it don't mean like we're thinking be pitiful. It means show pity. It means show pity. Be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. But contrarywise, blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. Say amen. amen. And his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord, now read this with me, verse 12. We're going to stop with verse 12. But For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Father, thank you for your word and your truth. And Lord, all these people that come out tonight to hear uh, a word from you and, and to study your word. I, I pray that you'll help us, Lord. Help us to... Uh, be committed in uh, uncommitted times. And, and Lord, help us to trust you when things get difficult. Trust you when things don't go our way. Trust you when things happen that we don't understand. Trust you when persecution comes. Trust you when times get tough. I pray, Lord, that your will be done tonight. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> uh. Peter wrote this letter to prepare the Christians for the fiery trials that were coming. We know we've already studied this, and I'm not going to rehash all of that. Uh, but we know that they were fixing to go into some deep, serious trials and tribulations. Uh, they were fixing to, to face some very, very difficult times, persecution under the Caesars. And he was trying to get them ready. It, but in his approach, as we read these letters and throughout the, uh, the both 1st and 2nd Peter, we find he was very optimistic, very optimistic and positive. He, he's saying, prepare for the best. Now, if you were telling somebody, prepare for the fiery trials that are coming, prepare for the persecution, prepare to be martyred, uh, uh, pre prepare to suffer for Jesus' sake, you would think he would say, you need to prepare for the worst. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying, prepare for the best. He's saying, and, he, and he's being optimistic. He's being, he's being upbeat about some things. And, and listen, doing that in this particular section of chapter number three of this letter, uh, we find that he gives, us some, he gives us some things and instructions that we can, we can listen to and follow. I, I, I meant to, I was going to do two, two main points, was going to be our love and our Lord. And, uh, but I don't think we'll have time for the second part, so we'll try to do that next week maybe and, uh, and, 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 and hunker down because uh, our Lord in our relationship is going to greatly enhance our ability to deal with some junk. Say amen. Uh, we can't get through this alone. We can't get through the trials alone. We won't get through the valleys of life alone. We won't get through suffering alone. We won't get through sickness alone. We won't get through. We need our Lord in, in the deal. Amen? But before we talk about that, let's talk about our love. Our love. I, I, uh, I, I grew up, I grew up in a, a movement, if you will, uh, of, uh, uh, 
I hate using the word religious movement because it makes it so uh, uh, whatever. I, it, it was a, a group of people who loved Jesus, uh, but got kind of got sidetracked on on what's important, what priorities ought to be, and 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 what happened was is is people begin to love their religion and not their redeemer. Now I hope you understand what I just said right there. We fell more in love with our way of doing things. We fell more in love with, with our style of worship than who we are worshiping. And, and what happens is, is we become pharisaical when we do that. And, and when we become pharisaical, uh, we become self-righteous. And when we become self-righteous, we become judgmental. And when we become judgmental, we just get plain old mean. And we start looking down on others if they're not like us. And when you say, what do you mean by being judgmental? We begin to judge people by the way they dress compared to the way we dress. By the way they behave, by the way we behave, by the way they talk, by the way we talk, and we look down on them and think we're more spiritual because we follow more rules than they do. Amen. And, and here we have a problem. We get, we get mean. The Pharisees in the Bible were mean. They were mean enough to kill Jesus. But they were very religious. They were, they, were, they were not only religious, they were sincere in their religion. And most people that I grew up with, they were sincere about what they thought they believed. And, and, and even in all of their standards and rules and, and the way they treat, they thought that they were being what God wanted them to be. But the problem was, is they missed one important element. And, and the bad part about this one important element, it was the most important one. I have a lot of, I have a lot of preachers on my Facebook, and, uh, and, and I'm, I'm constantly seeing what their idea of what's wrong with the church. What's wrong with the, the, the church in America? There's not enough standards. You know, there's too many wishy-washy preachers, and preachers are not preaching on sin, and, 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 and uh, Christians can't handle hard preaching. And, and I mean, they just go on and on and on and on. And, and a re real arrogant, pharisaical attitude, really judgmental, uh, 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 just, just makes me want to choke somebody. And, and when I'm seeing all this stuff, and, and I, I had to post something tonight. Y'all know how I am. I can't take it. And, and God showed me something. It's not, it's not, listen, our, our, our country's not going to hell because we don't have enough standards. Our, our country's not going to hell because of, of contemporary music. It's not, the problem, the problem with Christianity today is not, a, a lack of hard preaching. It's not a lack of standards. It's not a lack of separation. It's not, it's not the, uh, an, an absence of all of these things that people, people say you've got to have. I believe with all of my heart, it's the absence of love. Because the way he describes what we're fixing to read and, and how we are to treat each other, and you say, why do you think it's the absence of love? Because Jesus said this, there's one way they're going to know you're my disciples. 
There's one thing in your life. There's one thing that you're going to display. There's one thing that you're going to have. It's not your, it's not your method of ministry. It's not your style of music. That's not how they're going to tell you you're my disciple. It's not the way you do or don't do things. It's by your love one for another. So how do you know that's missing? Be different. Be different. Step out of the mold and, and do something a little different than somebody else does. And you won't find, you won't find the, 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 the evidence of love that we see here. You won't find people being courteous. You won't find people being compassionate. You won't find people. Are y'all with me? You'll find criticism. You'll find ridicule. And you'll find slander. Amen. Now, I know y'all think I'm venting tonight. I'm not. I'm just trying to help you understand how important the subject tonight is. It's not just important. It's not just important with who and how we're going to reach people. This is important in our own relationships with our family, our spouses, our children, our, our, our workers that, that we work with. Are y'all with me tonight? Our love. Our love. We're going to look at three things. Our love, <clears throat> let me look, my mind just went blank, amen. Our love for the brethren, how many of y'all know we should, we should, if there's anybody we should love, we should, we should love each other, the, the brethren, save people, but the Bible says we're supposed to love our enemies also, and then in this chapter, we're not only to love the brethren, we're not only to love our enemies, but we're to love life. What a novel idea. What if all Christians loved life? How many lost people would want what you have? Some of the most, <laughs> some of the most religious people I know look more miserable than anybody I know. Y'all with me? Now, how many of y'all want to dig into this lesson real quick? Number one, let's talk about, let's talk about loving the brethren, loving each other. I, I, I mean, before I do that, I, I, want, I want you to read Romans 13. I put it in your notes so you wouldn't have to look it up. Watch what God, let, let me see how, you remember Jesus said one thing, one thing, they will know you're my disciple. They will know you're my disciple if you love one another. Now watch this. Watch this. In, in, now how, why, why is that, do you reckon? Why is that? Because in, in 1 John, it says, it says uh, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. And he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Amen? Amen? Now, watch this. Watch what else. Romans 13. So I just don't believe in not having standards and rules. And I, I, believe, in, I believe in believing in something. I believe in standing up for things. I believe that we need to have uh, boundaries and stuff in our life. But here's, here's what I think we're missing. Watch this. Romans 13, 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Why, why does he say that? He says, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, excuse me, thou shalt not covet. 
If there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. What is he saying? If you love, you're not going to do none of them things. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to commit adultery against them. You're not going to kill them. You're not going to covet. I mean, if, you, if, my, if my brother got something, I love my brother. He could get a million dollars and I'd never covet him. I want, I want him to have everything that God has for him. Love does that. What if we just, what if we just started loving each other? What if we quit criticizing everybody? What if we quit slandering everybody? What if we quit arguing and fussing and just said, I'm going to love you. You're different, but I'm going to love you. I mean, we might disagree, but I love you, man. Y'all with me? Watch, watch. Love for our brethren. How, how, do we show, how do we show love for our brethren? A, through unity. Unity. And I know what you're thinking. Well, that means we've got to believe all the same. Not necessarily. That's uniformity. You can have, you, there's a difference between unity and uniformity. The problem with most churches is they want uniformity. You got to cut your hair just like they say, which is usually what they like. It's amazing to me the people that want to speak for God. And what they say is, God don't like this music or that music. And the only reason they're saying that is because they don't like this music or that music. And so they want uniformity. I want you to believe like me. I want you to look like me. I want you to talk like me. I want you to think like me because I'm right. We're going we're gonna to draw the line to wherever I am. Amen? And it's right because we did it. Right? <laughs> what are we going to have fun tonight? I, I, I wasn't planning on most of this, but it, it's here. Uh, unity, unity does not mean uniformity. It means cooperation in the midst of diversity. Underline that, underline that. It means cooperation in the midst of diversity. The members of the body work together in unity, even though they are all different. Christians may differ on how things are to be done, but they must agree on what is to be done and why. Man, that is so good. That is so important. If we can agree that souls need to be saved, if we can agree that God needs to be magnified, exalted, and glorified in everything we do, and quit arguing about how we get that done, y'all with me? It would change everything. You know how we could do that? Love one another. Love one another. Uh, unity. I'll never get done. I want to talk about that some more, but let's, let's hurry. Uh, we love our brethren through unity. And then B, through compassion. Write that down. Through compassion. What is compassion? It's a sincere feeling for or with the needs of others. Our English word sympathy comes from this word. We dare not get hard-hearted toward each other we must share both joy and trials. The basis for this is the fact that we are brethren in the same family. We are taught of God to love one another. In other words, you're, you're thinking about the feelings of others. Having compassion. 
and, 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 and we're going to see pity, pity and compassion kind of go together. Uh, uh, see through pity, which is basically means a tenderness of heart, a tenderness of heart toward others. In the Roman Empire, this was not a quality that was admired. But the Christian message changed all of that. Today we are deluged with so much bad news it is easy for us to get insulated and unfeeling. We get callous to feelings. We need to cultivate compassion and actively show others that we are concerned. Man, it's so easy. It's so easy because life is so difficult to get callous to the needs of others. Especially when you're in great need. It's hard for, for us to be sensitive to the needs of others when we can't see past our own needs. And sometimes we get so focused on our own needs, we get callous to the needs of others, and God is wanting us to understand if we will have a, a, a care and a compassion and a pity for others' needs, God will take care of our needs. But that's hard, isn't it, church? It's hard. It's hard, seeing, it's hard seeing through my pain. It's hard seeing through uh, my difficulty. It's hard seeing through the obstacles in my life to be compassionate to somebody else. And, and also, also it, it's, it's hard to be compassionate when you've been burnt. Uh, when when uh, <coughs> sometimes, sometimes I've, seen, I've, seen a, I've seen a gentleman uh, who's come to the church several times several times uh, for, for money, for, for this, for that. Uh, grouchy, grouchy, grouchy old geezer. I'm talking about just, I said it and I meant it. I said it. And he was, if you met him, you'd say the same thing. But I come out of church one day and uh, one night, this was after services, and, uh, and, and we, had, we had gotten some, some food up for him. Well, he just bowed up mad, just I don't want this kind. I want, I'm, I've been sleeping in my van. I want a hot meal. Now, I, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I explained it to him, but I didn't. I didn't. You asked Brother Dustin wherever he's at. I said, I said, guys, I said, just let's, let's give him a Big Mac. Let's just go to McDonald's. Part of it is I was wore out and I was tired. It was right after the service and I'd done preaching my guts out, and part of it was, I get it. I get it. When you're frustrated and you're wore out and you're tired with life, a Big Mac sounds pretty good. So, so we got the Big Mac. Not long, not long after that, I was up at the gas station getting gas, and uh, I'm sitting there pumping gas. Here comes that van. Pulls right up to the gas station gas station up there and uh and uh he goes in this side comes out with two cases of beer then goes around to the other side of the deal and goes into the liquor section and uh comes out with his bottle of liquor now when he come out with the beer i'm pretty mad but when he come out with the liquor now i'm, I'm it's all i can do it's all I can do. And, and I said all that to say this. But Jesus still loves him. 
And see, I didn't say it enough. Y'all ready to fight. <laughs> right? Amen. You see, we see this kind of stuff and we see these kind of actions. And, and, and well, you ain't, yeah, that's bad. I wanted to fight. I wanted to talk to him. <laughs> I, I really did. But guess what? Dude's probably lost. Don't know Jesus. His life is probably in such a way that the only relief is escape. But, but I, don't, I don't want to think about that. Because sometimes I get so callous. But Jesus says we got to stay pitiful. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking because I've, I've really had to get Jesus to reinforce this in my brain. Sometimes it's hard to show pity when all we see is pitiful. But I wonder how many times Jesus has saw us pitiful. Well, that's Jesus. That's who we're supposed to be like. Amen? Amen. And I'm, I'm really talking more about this because I, I, I get that way, man. I, I, get, I get callous. I see stuff like that, and, and my first thought, I ain't helping nobody else. No hamburgers. No Big Macs again. None. Does anybody ever think like that? You'll be honest. Y'all have the most honest pastor in America. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you that. But God says, love shows pity. Love keeps you tender. Tender. Keep your heart tender. He said through love, through unity, love through compassion, love through pity. A tender heart. Keep a tender heart. Uh, D, through courtesy. Now this is all in verse number 8. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, and be courteous. Courteous. Excuse me, be nice. Courtesy involves much more than acting like a lady or a gentleman. Being humble-minded is a good way to put it. After all, humility is the foundation for courtesy. For the humble person puts others ahead of himself. How about, how about, what kind of revival, what kind of revival could we have in America if we all just started acting nice? Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about lost people. I'm talking about God's people. Let me talk to you husbands. Sometimes we speak to our spouses Worse than anybody we talk to all day. And vice versa. Vice versa. I've caught myself being in a discussion. And y'all know what I'm talking about. The phone rings and the pastor has to answer. The whole tone of voice and everything. Hello. 
And the way I'm talking to them ain't nothing like I've been talking to her. Hang up the phone. Where was we at? Now think about that. And they are supposed to be our best friends. Amen? But we get comfortable and we get, we get, uh, we take them for granted, don't we? And sometimes we have a tendency to take each other for granted. When, when God says, be nice. Just, just be courteous. I was listening to the radio one night and, uh, and they were talking about, they were talking about waitresses and waiters and, uh, and they were calling in and man, it was terrible. Do you know what the most, I don't know if you've ever done this before, a waiter or a waitress, and I, and I don't know if this is true, but everyone that called in, they said this, the most hated day to be a waiter or a waitress, guess what day? Wow. You know why? They said the most jerks come out on Sunday, right after they leave church. They come in their Sunday best, Sunday, and they're the they're the biggest jerks all week. Church people. My buddy, my buddy Brian, who I preached for last week, he went downtown Athens at the, at the uh, college. He, he, he pastors in Athens, Georgia, where the University of Georgia and the Bulldogs, I took like five showers when I left that place. It was, get all that off of me, Amen. <laughs> But anyway, I was ministering in heathen country, so we. <laughs> well, he went downtown, and he, he talked to all these college kids. And I'm talking about, I don't know, I don't know how many of them, but every one of them were either atheists or they didn't go to church. And, and I mean, just things they would say, it just and it broke my heart. And, and what broke my heart even more is that if you, if you watch the video, if you watch the video, every single one of them was so kind and courteous and polite. And I, I, I watched that, and, and I was blown away seeing how atheists, uh, non-churchgoers, uh, people that were not saved, didn't even believe in God, how they treated somebody that believed different than them was so diabolically different than how most Christians treat people that are different than them. Yeah, I did. I posted something about it. I posted we could, we could learn a lot from an unbeliever. And I wonder, I wonder what Jesus is thinking when he's looking down at his bride, the church who he died for, who he loves with, with no way of us even fathoming his love for us and how we treat each other. When he's saying, just, just, just be nice. Just be courteous. Put somebody else before you put yourself. Uh, 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 be humble. Think about others' needs. Don't be so consumed with yourself. And Jesus was the greatest example of that. Are y'all with me, amen? Now, number two. Now, now, I know what y'all are thinking. Boy, that's some tough stuff. That was the easy one. 
Now Jesus says, we got to love them that are hating us. Y'all with me? It's one thing to love the brethren, but Jesus said this. Watch what it says, verse 9. Not rendering evil for evil, railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called and that ye should inherit a blessing. Now look over in chapter 2, verse 22. Verse 21. Let's do look verse 21. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. So he came and did what he wants us to do. Does that make sense? He came and did, he came and lived like he wants us to live. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Watch this. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Now, isn't that awful lot like verse number 9? Let me read verse 9 again of chapter 3. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrariwise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. Watch this. Not only should we love God's people, but we should also love our enemies. The recipients of this letter were experiencing a certain amount of personal persecution because they were doing the will of God. Peter warned them that official persecution was just around the corner, so they had better prepare. The church today had better prepare because difficult times are ahead. Here's three ways we can live, three different levels we can live. First, A, we can return evil for good, which is the satanic level. That's what the devil does. The devil will take your good and replace it with evil. You ever notice people who, who, who when, when given good, they turn it into evil, they take advantage of people, they manipulate people, they do all of, That's a satanic level. That's, that's really operating in, in, in the devil's realm, in the devil's way, uh, following, his, his, uh, uh, following his guidance and his movement. Uh, and there's a lot of people that operates that way. But we don't have to. We don't have to. We shouldn't. Number two, not only, not only the satanic level, but we can operate in this level. Good for good, evil for evil. That's the human level. Anybody can do that. And most people do do that. Doesn't take, it doesn't take much uh, Christianity to operate in, on that level. That is probably... The, the most natural level, okay, you can be good to me, I'll be good to you. Uh, you, you, you. You do me wrong, I'm going to do you wrong. Eye for an eye. Eye for an eye. It's a shame. We got way too many Old Testament Christians, people. You know, Jesus said, turn the other cheek. And the Old Testament said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. There's way too many Old Testament Christians acting in, in our days today. Amen? Uh we can return evil for good. That's the satanic level. We can return good for good or evil for evil. That's the human level. Or we can return good for evil. That's the divine level. That's acting like Jesus. That's acting like Jesus. Jesus is the perfect example of this latter approach. As God's loving children, we must do more than give an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. 
Which, and the basis for that is justice. We must operate on the basis of, we should operate on the basis of, how many of y'all appreciate God's mercy toward you? Amen. For this is the way God deals with us. Thank God. The persecutions we experience on earth, now watch this, this is motivation right here. The persecutions we experience on earth today only add to our blessed inheritance of glory in heaven today, someday. Matthew 5, 10, and 12. But we also inherit a blessing today when we treat our enemies with love and mercy. By sharing a blessing with them, we receive a blessing ourselves. Persecution can be a time of spiritual enrichment for a believer. The saints and martyrs in church history all bear witness to this fact. He says in verse 9, Knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. Church, say amen. Verse 10, verse 10, here we go. For he that will love life and see good days, this is what he needs to do, let him refrain his tongue from evil, his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. Why? For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the fates of the Lord is against them that do evil. Number three, we need to, what was number one? We, we must love our, say it with me, we must love our, Number two, we must love our, number three, we must love our, oh, this one. You know what? I think some people are going to have an easier time loving their enemy than their life. I really, I really believe that. I believe, I believe some people are so pessimistic that they can't see the forest for the trees. And they are so miserable in the station of life that they're in, they cannot see the blessings of God around them. Here's, here's what I'm getting at. The news of impending persecution should not cause a believer to give up on life. What may appear to be bad days to the world can be good days for a Christian if he will only meet certain conditions. What are these conditions? First thing we have to do, A, we have to decide. Write that down. We have to decide. We must deliberately decide to love life. This is an act of the will. You can say this verse, you can, you can say it this way. He who wills to love life. It is an attitude of faith that sees the best in every situation. It is the opposite of the pessimistic attitude expressed in Ecclesiastes 2.17. He says, therefore I hated life. For all is vanity or empty, worthless, and vexation of spirit. And by the way, all that was written when uh, Solomon was against the will of God. When he was out of fellowship with God. He's trying to find peace, joy, happiness, satisfaction, fulfillment in life outside of the way God wants it under the sun. It's the term used many times in Ecclesiastes. In other words, I'm going to find fulfillment without God. God said, try it. And he used, he done Everything this world had to offer. He had unlimited wealth. He had unlimited power. He had unlimited wisdom, supernatural wisdom. Nothing held this man back. Nothing was withholding from him. He said, if my eyes saw it, I got it. If there, if there was to buy, if there was to see, if there was to do, wine, women, song, merriment, God allowed one human being on this earth to have everything this world has to offer and try it out. He said, go ahead. And when he did, he said, it was empty. All vanity. It was empty. You know what? You know what God taught us through that? 
This world cannot satisfy your soul. Fulfillment is only going to come through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's amazing that you can, you can, you can be fulfilled walking with Jesus and unfulfilled driving a Mercedes Benz without him. Amen. Listen, we can decide to endure life. We can decide. Now, we, we've got to make this decision. We can decide to endure life and make it a burden, escape life as though we are running from a battle, or enjoy life because we know God is in control. Peter was not suggesting some kind of unrealistic psychological gymnastics that refused to face facts. That's not what he's saying. Rather, he was urging his readers to take a positive approach to life and by faith make the most of every situation. Have y'all met them? The pessimists and the optimists? These scientists did research with some, some little fellas and they took this little pessimistic little boy and put him in a room full of toys. I'm talking about slam full of toys, wall-to-wall toys. And in just a couple hours, they came back and all the toys was pushed to the edge and he was sitting in the middle saying, I'm bored, there's nothing to do. Pessimist. They took this little optimistic boy and put him in a room. There wasn't nothing in the room but a pile of manure. Right in the middle of the room, big pile of manure in the middle of the room. They left, come back two hours. There was manure everywhere. All over the walls, all over the floor. I mean, all over the little kid. He was in the middle of that manure, throwing it up, throwing it everywhere. And they said, what are you doing? He said, with this much manure, there's a pony in here somewhere. (laughs) Amen? Now, let's be honest. Which one are you? How are you looking at things? Now, I'd love, to, I'd love to stand here and say everybody's life is great and everybody's life is wonderful and we should all, all be happy with it. But everybody's life's not great. Everybody's life is not peachy. Some people are living with sickness. Some people are living with struggle. Some people are living with poverty. And some people, some people are living with all kinds of stuff. But we have got to understand it is not the circumstances of life that determine who we are. And they are not what determines our level of joy. I have seen people in great pain, but at the same time, in great joy. And I have seen people... That didn't suffer a lick. Seemed like the whole world was handed to him on a platter. Health was fine, great, had everything a man could want, and sat in a depression and he had any money they could spend and was deep in depression. Preacher, what are you saying? Peter's saying, listen, let's be positive. You may not can control the way the cookie crumbles, but you can control how you think about it. And your attitude towards it. We cannot control things that happen to us in our life a lot of times. But we can control our attitude. Amen? Amen? B. 
If we're going to get the most out of life, we have to decide we're going to. Then B, we have to decline. We have to decline. He says in, in verse number 10, he says, Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Now, what does that mean? We've got to watch our mouth. I think a lot of us would get along a lot better in life if we'd just watch our mouth. Sometimes we just need to shut up. And I, some people don't like that terminology, terminology, but I don't know what to say. Just shut up. <laughs> Be quiet. Half the messes I've been in in my life is because I was running my mouth. Are y'all with me? You know, James says that the tongue is such a little member, but boy, it sets on a big fire. And there's so many. My wife, she did a she did an illustration uh, with the kids with toothpaste. She gave all the kids, all the children, toothpaste, and said, "Now squeeze it all out." Now I don't know the wisdom in that right there, giving little kids toothpaste, but. She said, squeeze it all out. So they got it all out. She said, all right, now get it all back in there. (laughs) Y'all know what happened. It was everywhere. It was on the children. It was on their clothes. It was on the table. It was on the chairs. It was, you know why? Once it comes out. You can apologize for it. But it's still there. Y'all with me? Let's be careful. We must control our tongues. Control our tongues. Uh, C, we must decide. A, we must decline. B, C, we must detest. This is important. He says, he says in verse 11, Let him eschew evil and do good. Eschew. We must do good and hate evil. We need both the positive and the negative. The old English word eschew means more than just avoid. It means to avoid something because you despise and loathe it. It is not enough for us to avoid sin because sin is wrong. We ought to shun it because we hate it. I eschew snakes. Say amen. That's a great example. I'm, 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 listen, if I get bit, he's fast. Right? What if, what if we started treating sin in our life like snakes? And not just try to avoid it, but learn to hate it. Why should I hate it? Look what it did to Jesus. Look what it's done to families. Look what it's done to children. Let's hate it. Let's not not just try to do good. Let's hate evil. Y'all with me? D, quick, 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 quick. Oh, I want some more time. D, determine. Determine. Now, here's where... Here's where we need to really pay attention. He says, let him seek peace and ensue it. 
We need to be peacemakers. Jesus was an incredible peacemaker. Now watch. We must seek and pursue peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. If we go out and seek trouble, we will find it. But if we seek peace, we can find it as well. Now, now here's one thing we got to get, though. This does not mean peace at any price, it, because righteousness must always be the basis for peace. In other words, we can't say, well, we're just going to live with sin and, and agree with you with this sin because so we can all be happy and not be mad. No, no. We still have to stand for righteousness. Now, we could all just say, oh, we're okay with the homosexual agenda and everything. Let's just love each other and be at peace. And, and we would be totally wrong. And by the way, you can love somebody and not agree with their lifestyle. You can do that. Uh, we, can't, we can't sacrifice righteousness for the sake of peace. It simply means that a Christian exercises moderation as he relates to people and does not create problems because he wants to have his own way. If it, now here's a good statement. If it be possible, say that with me. If it be as much as lieth in you. In other words, do everything in your power. Do everything in your power. Live peaceably with all men. Now sometimes it's not possible. Y'all with me? Now, here we are admonishing Romans 14, 19, to work hard to achieve peace. It does not come automatically. Now, what's the point? The point is this. I just can't get along with her. I just can't get along with him. Or I just Now, if it be possible, don't say that statement and don't make that statement if you haven't done every single thing in your power to go overboard to try to make it happen. Now, there will be people that just don't work. You just don't work. There's going to be people you have to separate from to keep peace. Do you know that Paul and Barnabas, they were pretty good buds in the mission field and doing that, and then they come to a disagreement about, about a person going with them and and the Bible says that their contention was so sharp, they had to go separate ways. Yeah, Paul. Sometimes, sometimes being able to stay together is not, not, it's just not a deal. But whatever we do, we have to do everything we can to be a peacemaker. And all God's people said, I want to do this. Miss Amber, will you play something on piano for me or organ or whatever? Uh, I want to do this. Every